Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. And today has been a busy, busy day. I woke up early. I'm just as checked as you guys are. Um, had a fabulous time with my cousin. Uh, we met for coffee and then we talked for three hours. Um, and then I had writing club with with Will and and company. And so now I'm exhausted and I still have to do this episode and then I'm climbing into bed and going to sleep. Or something of that sort. <laughs> um, so I'm talking about sleep because Roseanne is making the news again. And she she is still holding firm to the Ambien claim that she took some Ambien and then woke up and her Twitter was filled with all this um all this junk about Iran and whatnot. And that's when she tweeted that um Valerie Jarrett was um the child of the Planet of the Apes and the Muslim Brotherhood. And it, it which okay fine, you know, she's never gonna back down from that. And maybe it's true. Maybe maybe she did take it. Maybe she was on Ambien, okay? But as the makers of Ambien said, it doesn't make you racist. It does not make you say racist things. The only thing that makes you say racist things is you being racist. I mean, that that's kind of a give me. Um, and the fact that she keeps just spouting this is illogical to me. Even more illogical is she blames Sarah Gilbert for the demise of the Roseanne reboot. And no, that's not a joke. <laughs> I mean, I really wish it were. I really do. Um, <laughs> so she, what she says is that when Sarah Gilbert tweeted that what Roseanne said was abhorrent and does not um it does not reflect the way the cast and crew feels that's when ABC decided to pull the plug not because she said something horrible but because Sarah Gilbert said that it was horrible um she told the Washington Post Gilbert destroyed the show and my life with that tweet what the actual... <laughs> uh, talk about not taking personal responsibility. You know, there was a half of a moment where I actually thought Roseanne was getting her shit together and was going to be better. And, you know, there's still a... I still kind of had that hope. 
But it's dimming. It's dimming so fast. And the reason why it's dimming is because she doesn't actually recognize what she did or said was wrong. She views herself as this victim of a conspiracy, which makes no damn sense. She feels like, and she says as much um, in the Washington Post profile, she says she feels like ABC wanted to get rid of her show. Now, let me tell you why that doesn't make sense. It was their highest rated sitcom. They stood to make tens of millions of dollars. And and now so after they canceled the show um, she signed over her rights so that people could keep working. And But now she's kind of regretting that because the show didn't tank like she had hoped it would. In fact, um, the Connor, the the continuation of Roseanne, ranked as ABC's highest-rated scripted show. And I think she's realized, oh my God, I signed over all my rights, and you know now I'm not going to make any money off of this. And I think she really. It's looking to make some money. And first of all, Disney is going to crush that. Like, Disney will crush her if she tries to sue them. Because she doesn't have a case. They're not required to keep a show on air, even after they renew it. And it, there, are, there's plenty of precedent for... Shows being renewed and then canceled. Um, the Ben McKenzie show um, Southland is is a good example. Uh, it was renewed, and then some. I think there was a. I forget the exact story, but there was like a, a, a management change at the top of NBC, and they looked at it and said nope. Eventually, it went to TNT and lived for another four seasons, I believe. Um, and there's a couple of... Vinyl um, on HBO was renewed and then canceled. So she needs to think very carefully about what she's doing. Because networks don't need a reason to cancel a show. In this case, they have one, and she was warned, but they don't necessarily have to have one. And I don't have to give a reason for me to go, but I need to take a break and get a drink, so I'll be right back. And I'm back. So one of Will's biggest complaints about me is I've never seen Game of Thrones. Um, this is This includes a long list of other things I have not seen that he feels I should have by this point in my life. Um, but, you know, it's just, it is what it is. And eventually I will watch Game of Thrones because apparently I have to. And it's one of the greatest TV shows ever. I just don't, 
the the little bit I've watched, I was just not impressed. Um, but you know, maybe maybe watching it with fresh eyes will help. One of the stars of Game of Thrones, Amelia Clark, is opening up about uh, a medical struggle that she went through um, during the very first season of Game of Thrones. She wrote a she wrote an essay for the New Yorker and she talks about how um well here I'll read what she wrote just when all my childhood dreams seemed to have come true I nearly lost my my mind and then my life uh she suffered from a subarachnoid hemorrhage a life-threatening type of stroke caused by bleeding into the space surrounding the brain. So she went in, she had a four-day um, stay in the hospital and after she had surgery. And she says, I was sent back to the ICU and after about a week, um, the aphasia passed. She talked about how she couldn't remember her name or how to speak. And then um, she continued, I was able to speak, I knew my name, all five bits. One month after being admitted, I left the hospital longing for a bath and fresh air. I had press interviews to do. In a matter of weeks, I was scheduled to be back on the set of Game of Thrones. Uh, she went She went back um, to work and said, Every minute of every day, I thought I was going to die. And um, she went in for a checkup. And they found a second aneurysm. And she said, when they woke me, I was screaming in pain. The The procedure had failed. I had a massive bleed, and the doctors made it plain that my chances of surviving were precarious if they didn't operate again. This time, they needed to access my brain in the old-fashioned way through my skull. And the operation had to happen immediately. The recovery was even more painful than it had been after the first surgery. I looked as though I had been through a war more gruesome than any that Daenerys experienced. I emerged from the operation with a drain coming out of my head. Bits of my skull had been replaced by titanium. These days you can't see the scar that curves from my scalp to my ear, but I didn't know at first that it would not be visible. And, you know, first of all, bravo for her for stepping forward and talking about this. It's deeply personal and probably not something that she was keen to share with the world. And even better is she's using this experience to launch a new charitable organization called Same You. And it's it's to help um, people who are struggling with strokes and aneurysms and other brain injuries um, get back to the life that they had before. And she says, there's something gratifying and beyond lucky about coming to the end of Thrones. I'm so happy to be here to see the end of the story and the beginning of whatever comes next. And, you know, and the funny thing is, it, is she's not one of these scandal-ridden stars who you kind of look at and you're like, mm, no. Uh, when I hear that Amelia Clark, when I saw that she was trending earlier, 
I was really confused because she seems like the type, um, like a Jodie Foster or a Helen Hunt, where they go in, they do their job, they do the press that they're required to do, and then they leave. Um, you know, you might see their name in like a controversy or something, but it's usually not one of their own making. Or if it is of their own making, it's because they misspoke. Um, and I'm trying to, I can't even think of a, I can't think of a single controversy, um, with any of the three actresses I just named. Um, you know, they're all very talented, all very professional. I think that's really important here. Um, so we're glad you're doing well, Amelia. And eventually I will watch your performances. (laughs) And for now, I'm going to go and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. And... There's some breaking-ish news. Um, Gail King, who in in the previous few weeks has been lauded for her interviewing and interviewing skills and her ability to stay calm when the subject that she's talking to lost his ever love in mind is expected to sign a new multi-million dollar um, contract with CBS. Specifically, it's expected that she's going to be staying with um, CBS this morning, which has, for a while, was kind of the little show that could. Every, every year, the ratings would go up and up and up, and then the Charlie Rose scandal hit. If you don't remember what the Charlie Rose scandal was, um, some women came forward saying that he sexually harassed them. CBS immediately terminated him. And so things were kind of in a precarious situation. And that ratings growth that they had been seeing started to erode a little bit. The fact that it that the fall off wasn't steeper is largely credited to Gil King. And as I've always said to you guys, Daytime audience... uh, Daytime audiences love consistency. And... Gail King is... For better and worse... A very big part... Of... um, This morning. And the CBS News family altogether. So it's not surprising they're trying to keep her. Here is what the sources are saying. Um, her her co-host Nora O'Donnell is supposed to be moving over to um, the CBS nightly newscast, and things things were heating up in that front for a little while, but. It's, um, the source says everything has gone very quiet. Nothing will be done until Gail has signed her contract. It looks likely she's staying, but we don't know what the holdup is. And they're saying that CBS staff are just completely anxiety-ridden over whether or not Gail's going to sign. Um, the insider continued, everyone is stressed. They want to know what's happening. Um... Gail King, for her part, said, oh, when asked if she was going to stay, 
She said, oh, that's a good question. All I can say is I really love my job. And I think it's kind of foolish to predict the future. That, on the surface, that sounds like someone who is hedging their bets. She wants to stay. She, you know, she likes the perks. She likes whatever. But there's also a part of her that is very much... Um, waiting to see what she's offered, if she's offered what she's worth. The CBS is is smart. They know that they're going to have to do something to keep her. Um, right now she makes $5.5 million a year, which sounds like a lot, and it is, to, to most of us. But keep in mind who her best friend is. Oprah Winfrey. Oprah makes $5.5 million a day. And I don't know if that's exaggerated or not, to be honest. But, you know, like, Oprah makes a ton of money in a day. And I can see Gail maybe not thinking, oh, I can make Oprah-sized money. But I can definitely see Gail thinking, hmm, it would be nice if, if I could pick up the check for dinner a couple nights. You know, I don't always want... Oprah to pay for me or whatever, you know. Um, I can't. I can't imagine CBS is going to let her go. Um, I, they're they're probably not going to double her salary because I, at this point, I don't think she's worth eleven million dollars. And that and that's no offense, but when the ratings are down, you can't be doubling your salary. Um. But I can see them bumping her up um, to a nice, comfortable raise and and perhaps adding raises every year um, as an incentive for her. And maybe, per, maybe perhaps she'll get a bonus to go along with with that for every time the ratings go up and, or every interview she does. And I'm going to go, and I'm going to be right back. And I am back. So, alright, so you guys know I'm really into true crime, and um, I've been writing it like crazy. We've been talking about it every Saturday. Um, and, and so there was, this week, Jack the Ripper's been in the headlines a lot, because they finally named who it is. But back in 2002... Patricia Cornwell, the infamous crime writer um, who writes the K. Scarpetta books, published a book of her own called um, Jack the Ripper, or I'm sorry, it's called Portrait of a Killer, Jack the Ripper, Case Closed, in which she says Walter Sickert um, is the notorious serial killer. And she lays out all these reasons, like he had a deformed penis, he was not able to have um, sexual relationships with women. His best friend got married and his the best friend's wife would not allow them to continue being friends. And all this stuff. And it, it led to a lot of controversy. A lot of controversy. Um, and um, 
people in Britain said, hey, like, you don't know what you're talking about, lady. Get your shit together. Like, stop saying this. It, it wasn't him. Um, Walter Sicker, if you don't know, is a very famous um, painter. And she actually used part of that as the reason why she thought it was him. Because his paintings were allegedly um, very violent and very uh, misogynistic. So, you know, as I've, as I've kind of waded into the true crime writing realm, for a lot of it, I've actually tried to stay as close to the facts as I could, um, with very little commentary other than snark, um, because I, I've never really been able to come up with an airtight theory. And clearly, Patricia Cornwell didn't either, because all these scholars came out against her and said, look, dude, you didn't do your research. You did not do this correctly. You don't know what you're talking about. And... You know, it just got to the point where we all had to question and we all had to say what the actual... So, you know, I my first um, collection of true crime stories, Love You to Death, um, it really came together oddly because it wasn't supposed to be what it became. It, it be, basically became wives killing husbands. And that was not my intent. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I'm i always drawn to really campy stories. And in this case, when I say campy, I don't necessarily mean like... I mean, yes, these are over the, over the top. But they're also very real and very gruesome. Um, but... There was, and we've talked about Kyle Dean before, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep talking about him because something really struck me as as being very odd, and it like this theory has grown the more and more research I've done. Kyle Dean, if you don't know, was a porn star. Um, he did uh, straight and gay porn, and in gay porn, he did top and bottom. Um, the la- the most recent clip that I can find was him bottoming. And there's, there's a lot of ink spilt about how he had a drug addiction and, you know, he was on pills and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, that's all well, fine, and good. But there also has to come... There, there has to come to a point where we look at this and say something is not quite right. Something doesn't quite fit here. The fact that we haven't done that bothers me. And the fact that this healthy 21-year-old kid went from from that to dead in the span of a month... And nobody's blinking, no one's asking questions, really bothers me. So I'm chasing this story, I'm trying to figure out, you know, was he killed? There's a lot of organized crime, and 
in um in porn. And so I kind of I'm very curious as to whether or not there was a mob hit or you know, did he turn someone down and they did something to um, some pills he was taking? Or was this really just an accidental overdose? And so as I'm developing this theory, I'm also keeping in mind that, you know, if I'm going to write this book, which I really want to, and I really am hoping to do it with the cooperation of his family. Um, but I want to do it justice. You know, and there were, right around the time of his death, within the span of just maybe three or four months, we saw multiple guys who were allegedly gay for pay die. And that's... There's something wrong with that. But, you know, I I go back to this, and Patricia Cornwell is a very lauded woman. She's very successful. But I don't want to step in the same kind of controversy that she was in. Because nothing good could come of that. And I'm going to go and I will be right back. And finishing out, um, I'm back by the way, (laughs) finishing out our Ladies of Gossip episode, which was totally unintentional. Um, Even though I probably should say something like I totally did this on purpose, I didn't. Um, Emma Roberts and Evan Peters have broken up. Now, we've been down this road before. And... Um, multiple times, actually. Where they break up and then they get back together, and they break up and they get back together. Sometimes, even with cheating included. Um, but this time, actor Garrett Heldman is... It is in the mix. And it seems like Emma decided that she would rather be with him rather than um and then Evan because I don't know, he's more handsome or not getting fucked in the ass by Ryan Murphy. <laughs> um Oh, sometimes I really wish I planned out these jokes better. Um, but, you know, there, there is actually a rumor um, that Evan Peters sleeps with Ronnie Murphy, and that's why he keeps getting cast in all these shows. There, there's nothing to substantiate that other than Evan Peters having a gorgeous, gorgeous butt. Um, but really, there, there's nothing to substantiate um, those rumors. Other than, I think, people's sick, twisted fantasies. Um, but but those rumors are out there. And Emma Roberts really did move on um, to Garrett Hellman. But, and there's one joke, and this comes from Blind Gossip. 
And I'm not quite sure what she meant by this. Um, she, it was, this was at the Met Gala. Evan wasn't there for whatever reason. And the source she was talking to said her hand was behind her back, so it was unclear if she was wearing a ring or not. The question was about their relationship status. Were they dating, engaged, or what? She held out her hand with, with the ring and said, we're engaged. I'm planning on getting married in the next year. I don't know what his plans are. And it that just seems like a very, very bizarre thing. Let me tell you, if if I'm dating someone and I want to get married, I'm not going to make a joke like that. Because that seems to be inviting badness into your relationship. And, you know, I actually... Just a, a personal story. My, my mother and I had a falling out over this very subject where um, she was with her boyfriend and when they got together she said I don't want to get married yada 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 and then suddenly she wanted to get married and the boyfriend was still like no I don't want to get married you know that's, I don't think that's in the cards for me I've had the love of my life you know yada 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 and she so she's telling me this story expecting me to I guess take her side and instead I'm like no I I actually think he's right like I don't think that's something that you change your mind about at least not without discussing it as a couple and so with Emma Roberts I kind of feel the same way like you you need to talk to your partner about this and say like hey I want to get married I want to you know this is what I want for my future where do you stand on this and let them kind of let you know where they're where they stand on it um the fact that she's moved on with a scarret is also kind of odd um We don't know quite know when they started or when um, Evan and Emma's relationship was called off. Um, in in twenty thirteen, there was an incident where she was uh, she was arrested and Evan Peters had a bloody nose, um, but she was never charged with domestic violence or anything like that. Um, I don't know if it was because he declined to press charges or um, if. It was just one of those things where it was like, all right. Um, Headland uh, dated Kirsten Dunst for four years until 2016. Um, you know, when they when they actually got back together, Emma and Evan, that is. When they got back together, I swore, and I still believe this is true, that it was for publicity. And I, and I contend that this was, that it was for publicity because 
they're being spotted together and their relationship was rumored to be back on right around the time. Like, I think it was a week before American Horror, American Horror Story started. And then Screen Queen started. And I was like, that's... That's too coincidental for me. Like, you know, I, I at the time I was still running Generation Gossip and, and I remember writing about their reconciliation and I said, there's, there's something not quite right about that. Like, this has to be for publicity. So, but that's over now. Um, Evan is a free agent. Emma is dating a new man. Maybe someone she thought would be more famous or help um, boost her career. I don't know. But I do know that this is the end of the episode. As always, thank you guys for listening. I wouldn't be here without you. And until next time, I am raising my martini glass to you and saying cheers.